next, I'd like to welcome Helena Schmigitz um, from University College Dublin, who will speak to us about the symmetric variant of the inverse eigenvalue problem. Thank you. Uh, it's my pleasure and honor to talk in this conference ad, uh, dedicated to Avi. Um, I have first learned about non-negative Dimitri's theory from his book, with, um, uh, and then since then I had the pleasure to learn from him in uh, several conferences about mathematics and about the research community, so thank you. Uh, I will talk about the symmetric non-negative inverse eigenvalue problem, and you have um, heard about the non-negative inverse eigenvalue problem already in Tom's talk. I will repeat the definition here because it's central also to my talk. So we're given a list of complex numbers, lambda 1, lambda 2 to lambda n, and we want to know when is such list the spectrum of some entry-wise non-negative matrix. So we're looking for conditions for that. And the problem has been around for a while. It's been posed in 49 by Sulemanova. A solution for three elements was found by Levy and London and solution for four elements was found by Laffey and Meehan, and also then another solution for four elements, a different one, was found by a group of Spanish mathematicians. The problem still remains unsolved for even four, five elements, uh, for, uh, for list with, fi with five elements. Just to give you some um, indication what kind of conditions such a list would need to satisfy, I, I have a, here a set of necessary conditions. Um, let's say that we have a list of complex numbers, lambda 1, lambda 2 to lambda n, that is the spectrum of some non-negative matrix A, let's say. Then the list has to be closed under complex conjugation. Um, we, need, we have the power sum condition, which is the second condition here. Um, uh, so we have the sum of the eigenvalues to the power of k has to be greater than or equal to 0. Now, if, if you look at S1, this is the sum of the eigenvalues, and that would be then the trace of the realizing non-negative matrix. S2 would be the trace of A square and so on. So that, that's clear that that needs to hold. The next condition is uh, the existence of the Perron eigenvalue we have already. So we need to have the maximum absolute value of elements in the list have to be contained in the list. And also you heard already about the last inequality in Tom's talk. So this is the JLL inequality proved by Johnson and independently by Levy and London. And here we have the inequalities between the power sums. Sk to the power of m is less than or equal to n to the power of m minus 1 times Skm. Um, okay, so those are the necessary con some, of, some of the necessary conditions that are known. And um, let me move now to the definition of the symmetric non-negative inverse eigenvalue problem. So the question is very similar. Now we're looking at the list of real numbers, uh, lambda 1, lambda 2, lambda n, and we want to know when is such list the spectrum of an n times n symmetric non-negative matrix. And in my talk, I'll try to point out some differences between those questions. So how, what kind of difficulties we encounter in the symmetric case that are not um, present in the general case? Um, for example, if you look at this observation here, let's say that we have a non-negative matrix that is irreducible and has the spectrum lambda 1, lambda 2 to lambda n, uh, and the prone eigenvalue lambda 1. If I, if I forget to mention, always the first element in the list for me will always be the prone eigenvalue. Other eigenvalues are not ordered in any way, but the first one is always the prone eigenvalue. And we have given also diagonal elements of this matrix, A1, A2 to An. Then for every epsilon greater than 0, there exists a non-negative matrix B with a spectrum lambda 1 plus epsilon, lambda 2 to lambda n, so it has the same eigenvalues except the prone eigenvalues increased. And it has the same diagonal elements as the matrix that we started with, 
except a chosen diagonal element is increased. So this, in this case, I have um, no assumption of symmet uh, for the matrix to be symmetric, and the proof is straightforward in this case. So what we have, if A is a matrix, the prone eigenvalue vector, we use the prone eigenvector of the matrix A, so A U is lambda 1 times U. We assume that the matrix is irreducible, so the prone eigenvector will be positive. Uh, we normalize it so that U transpose times E K is equal to 1. E K here is the nth uh, kth unit vectors, uh, basic unit vectors. Um, so it has all elements equal to 0 except the kth elements equal to 1. And this rank 1 perturbation will give us the desired matrix. So we are targeting only the kth diagonal element here. Um, because we have epsilon times U A K transposed, we will have the desired spectrum. And only the kth column will change. So only the kth diagonal element is being changed. Notice that the rank one perturbation that we, hear, uh, we have here is not symmetric. So the same kind of argument we would not be able to apply in the symmetric case. And more or less the same way we can prove the following result. If we have lambda one, lambda two, and lambda n that's symmetrically realizable, so that means it's a spectrum of some symmetric non-negative matrix, then we can increase the prone eigenvalue and we still have a list that's symmetrically realizable. And the proof here is, again, it goes similarly. We use the prone eigenvector and we have rank one perturbation. So it's A plus T times VV transpose, where V is the prone eigenvector of the matrix A. Notice that we here we don't have any control on the diagonal elements. The di how the diagonal amounts change is um, determined by the, 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 the prone eigenvector V. However, we were able to prove the observation that I had previously also for the symmetric case, except in this case, the proof is a little bit more involved, so we were able to call this a theorem. So um, what we have is we have a symmetric non-negative matrix. It's reducible and has the spectrum lambda 1, lambda 2 to lambda n, and diagonal elements a1, a2 to an, and then for every epsilon greater than 0, there exists a symmetric non-negative matrix B, with a spectrum lambda 1 plus epsilon, lambda 2 to lambda n, and diagonal elements a1, a k minus 1, a k plus epsilon, a k plus 1 to a n. So only one diagonal element gets changed. Uh, let me give you the idea of the proof here. So without loss of generality, we can assume that um, we are want to change the first diagonal element a1, 1. And we partition our matrix A in the following way. We have A11, U transpose U, and A22 is now N minus 1 times N minus 1 submatrix of the matrix A. And now let's look at the matrix A22 and let D2 to the N be the spectrum of the matrix A22. Here I will assume that A22 has distinct eigenvalues. There are some technical difficulties if we, if we have repeated eigenvalues that I want to avoid in this talk. So that's my assumption for the stock, and um, let ui denote the eigenvectors for the matrix A to 2. So A to 2 times ui is di times ui. Now the eigenvectors are for a basis, so we can express our vector u as a linear combination of the vectors ui. So let, let gamma j be the coefficients in this expression. So u is equal to j is equal to 2 to n gamma j uj. Now what we're looking for is the matrix B, which will be of the following form. The diagonal element A11 will be changed to A11 plus T, and the submatrix A22 will stay the same. So we'll have the same submatrix in the matrix A and B, 
and we'll only change the vector u to vector u prime. Now, so we, what we're basically looking for is, is for the best vector u prime. And we will also try to look for it in the form uh, as is written as, as expansion, as a linear combination of the, the, of the eigenvectors of the matrix A to 2. So u prime is equal to the sum, i is equal to 2 to n gamma i prime ui. Um, now, if you look at this matrix, the trace of the matrix will be equal to the sum of the eigenvalues that we want, because we're increasing the lambda 1 to lambda 1 plus t. So we have one condition here, and then we have n minus, n, n minus 1 free parameters in u prime that we're looking for. So it might not be surprising that we'll be able to find such a vector u prime so that matrix B will have desired eigenvalues. What is the problem is to show that this u that we'll get is also non-negative. Okay, um, what we do is we form the orthogonal matrix with columns ui, which are the eigenvectors, remember, of the submatrix A to 2. And then we apply orthogonal similarity to this matrix A with matrix 1, 0, 0, u. And then um, after we apply orthogonal similarity, we get this form for the matrix. A11 stays as it was. We have gamma parameters gamma on the first row and column. And the matrix A to 2 gets to diagonalized. Now we can write the characteristic polynomial of the matrix A in two ways. First, it's equal to the product of eigenvalues, so x minus lambda 1, product i is equal to 2 to the n, x minus lambda i. On the other hand, we can write the characteristic polynomial of that matrix. Uh, so it's x minus a11 times the product i is equal to 2 to n, x minus di, minus the sum i is equal to 2 to n, gamma i squared, the product j is, equal, j is different than i, x minus dj. And we can do the same thing for the matrix B. So that's the same thing. And if you know, the difference between the matrix B and A is that we have x minus lambda 1 minus t here. And here we have x minus a11 minus t. And here we have, instead of gamma, we have gamma prime. And what we're looking for is the parameters gamma prime. So how do we find them? We put x is equal to dk in both of those equations and divide one by by the other. So if you put x is equal to dk, um, if you look at the left-hand side first, the, the product here, dk minus lambda i will be common, so it cancels out when, you divide, when we divide. So on one hand, we'll get dk minus lambda 1 minus t divided by dk minus lambda 1. And on the other side, when we put x is equal to dk, the first part will be 0. It's divisible by dk. And here also most of the, most of the terms become 0. Uh, except the one where we have dk prime squared survives. So we are left with dk prime squared, but, and then the product here is common to both equations and also cancels when we divide. So we get gamma k prime squared divided by gamma k squared is equal to dk minus lambda 1 minus lambda t divided by dk minus lambda 1. Okay, so that gives us a formula for the, those parameters gamma i, which can be written in this way. And our prime, uh, pr vector u prime is then the sum j is equal to 2 to n gamma j prime uj. Now that we have this vector, we still need to show that it's non-negative. And we do this with the help of this vector, of this matrix w. So we define matrix w is equal to identity minus 1 over lambda 1 plus t a to 2 to minus a half times identity minus 1 over lambda 1 a to 2 to a half. And you notice that the matrix mimics the behavior of d1. Uh, d1, di lambda 1 plus t1 minus di lambda 1. And um, then we can show that if you apply this matrix to the vector u, 
um, which is now equal to j is equal to 2 to the n gamma j u j, then we um, get exactly gamma j prime, gamma i prime u prime. So what is true is that gamma u prime is equal to square root of lambda 1 plus t divided by lambda 1 times w times u. And um, we were able to show that the coefficient of a to 2 to the k in the expansion of w is positive, which then proves that w is positive, and so then the vector u prime is also positive because we're applying a positive matrix to a non-negative vector. Um, so why we were interested in this, uh, okay, so here is now just a simple corollary. Uh, now that we are able to control how we're increasing the diagonal element, if we, we can increase all of the diagonal elements in, in such a way that we preserve the trace, right? That's, that's clear how that follows now. So um, now I want to say a few words about why we were interested in this result. Um, we were applying um, one way to approach the non-negative eigenvalue problem and also the symmetric problem is to find ways to find new realizable lists once you have a set that you know to find new realizable lists um, by, by some construction. So one trivial example to give you here, if we have two lists that we already know that are realizable by symmetric non-negative matrix, then we can just join them together. Right? And the realization is trivial here. So if sigma 1 is realized by the matrix A, sigma 2 is realized by the matrix B, then when we join the list together, realization will be just A, 0, 0, B. So that's, that's, that's a trivial result. But just to give you the idea what we are looking for here. Uh, an interesting result was or, uh, on this topic was already proved by Fiedler in 1974. And uh, he also, like I had in the previous example, joined the two lists only. Now we can do a little bit more. We are increasing the prone eigenvalue of one list and decreasing the prone eigenvalue of the other list by the same amount. Um, uh, the way this is proved is we take the matrix, realizing matrix for sigma 1 and realizing matrix for sigma 2 and we put them on the diagonal here, A, B, and then on the off-diagonal we have a rank 1 matrix composed with the, from the Perron eigenvectors of the matrix A and B multiplied by appropriate constant. Now I have proved the theorem that brought uh, diagonal elements into the play. So um, if we have a symmetrically realizable matrix uh, with diagonal element mu i, and we have another list that is symmetrically realizable and has the Perron eigenvalue equal to mu, mu 1. So the diagonal element of 1, um, the realizing matrix is equal to the Perron eigenvalue of the other. If we have equality here, then we can join the two lists, but we can leave out the Perron eigenvector that is the same as the diagonal element. So as before the dimension was n plus m, here we have n plus m minus 1, the dimension. Um, and the construction is maybe similar here. We put the, um, we use the submatrix A1, that it's not the one that is involving the diagonal element mu1, and then we put the matrix B here and rank 1 around it. So. Uh, to, to apply this result, we need, uh, um, it's nice to know something about how the, we, it's, it's nice to have some control on the diagonal elements. So that's why we were interested in the result 
that I was talking about earlier. Um, uh, for example, what happens if, can we still use this result if the diagonal element is not equal to the prone eigenvalue? So the condition that we have in equalities seems pretty restrictive. And well, if the diagonal element is bigger than the prone eigenvalue, then we can always increase the prone eigenvalue. I've shown that that's possible. And if the diagonal element is smaller, uh, sorry, then we need to increase the diagonal element. And I have shown that we can do this by increasing the prone eigenvalue. So that's where the application of the previous result comes in. So we can increase the, pro, the, the cho a chosen diagonal element uh, to equal to mu one, and but at the same time we then need to increase the prone eigenvalue lambda one to be equal to mu one minus a. Um, okay, so if we want to avoid the reference to the diagonal element, or in the case where sigma one and sigma two to begin with have trace zero, this is what we can say. We can um, just sum the two prone eigenvalues together, lambda one plus mu one, and then add lambda two to lambda n, mu two to mu m. And we know that this list is symmetrically realizable. So this gives us a way um, to construct new symmetrically realizable lists uh, given that we already know some. Um, okay, so here I'll mention one result that is true, uh, that is proven by Gu Wuven for um, general realizability. So we don't have a symmetric realizability here. We have lambda one, lambda two to lambda n is a list of complex numbers that is the spectrum of some non-negative matrix. And we assume that there's another real eigenvalue in the list, so lambda two is real. Then we can um, increase the prone eigenvalue and decrease uh, that real eigenvalue by the same amount and still get a realizable list. I won't go to any details of the proof here, I just wanna point out that the proof is rank two, we have a rank two, we add a rank two matrix to our original matrix A, and that rank two matrix is not symmetric. In fact, the question how to do this is still open, or is it true? So it's an open question whether we can do this in the symmetric um, case or not. So we believe, we don't have any contraexample anyway, so um, can we increase the prone eigenvalue and decrease another eigenvalue by the same amount and we still get a symmetric realizable list? Yeah, no, it's, it's no order, any eigenvalue. Yeah, so it's, it doesn't have to be the next smaller one, right? Yeah. Also here, we just wanted lambda two to be real. Um, yeah. uh, another open question um, is that if you have the list of lambda one, lambda two to lambda n, that is the spectrum of a non-negative symmetric matrix, and we take t to be greater than or equal to zero, and now we decrease each of the eigenvalues, lambda two, lambda three to lambda n by t. How does, how do we need to change the Perron eigenvalue in order to still get realizability? So can we get some kind of bound on, on row here, on the matrix? Uh, well, okay, so here I have find the smallest row, but that, that's very optimistic. <laughs> so we want some kind of bound on row uh, when we're doing this. Um, and uh, again, we can apply the, a result for the diagonal elements to get some bound on, on, on that question. So let's say that we have lambda one, lambda two, the spectrum of a non-negative symmetric matrix, the diagonal elements A1, A2 to AN, and diagonal elements in this case, I'm assuming they're ordered. Um, and then we are decreasing each lambda, 
each eigenvalue by t. Um, how does need what what can we what do we need to do to the Perron eigenvalue in order to still get a non-negative symmetric realization? Well, if t is less than or equal to a n, then just we subtract t times identity from the original realizing matrix, and we still get a non-negative matrix. So in that case, we we have we we, we have also lambda one minus t then. Uh, but if the eigenvalues, um, if t, if some of the diagonal elements are smaller than t, then what we need to do? Well, we first increase the the diagonal elements that are smaller than t to be equal to t. When we're doing this, we are at the same time increasing the Perron eigenvalue for the same amount. We are preserving the trace and then it subtract t times identity, and that enables us to get a bound on that. Um, on the, per, on the Perron eigenvalue. Um, so you have heard in Tom's talk about this result, and this is one version of a result of Boyle and Handelman that is central in the non-negative inverse eigenvalue problem. Um, so one version, uh, one way to say is we have here the list of, com non, of complex numbers, and we want to know when is such a list the non-zero spectrum of a non-negative matrix. The difference between the previous result is that now we are allowing to add zeros to this list. We're starting with the non-zero elements and we can add zeros, as many zeros as we like, and we want to know when we'll have realizability in this case. And in the beginning, I pointed out that the non-negative inverse eigenvalue problem is still unsolved, even in very small dimensions. And so that's why it's surprising that this variation on the question is complete. We have a solution to that. Uh, and conditions are the following. If sigma has the Perron, I, uh, Perron value, it's closed under the complex conjugation. For all positive integers n and k, Sn of sigma is greater than or equal to zero. And if Sn of sigma is bigger than zero, then Snk of sigma is bigger than zero. Then the list is the non-zero spectrum of some non-negative matrix. Um, the, the original proof of Boyle-Handelman to this result is not constructive and didn't have a bound on the number of zeros needed. And Tom found a constructive proof, so um, when S and N are all considered, uh, all assumed to be positive. And uh, with his proof, we also found, he also found the number of, uh, the bound on the number of zeros needed. So why I'm pointing out this result here is because um, uh, we don't have an analogous result in the symmetric case. In the symmetric case, we don't know very much about the fact of adding zeros. Um, okay, already Tom had this, uh, result also on the blackboard, we have been able to find the exact number of zeros that uh, we need to add in the case when the real parts of eigenvalues is less than or equal to zero, except from the Perron eigenvalue. Um, and I have um, put up this result to, to be able to give you this example here. So if we have a list, let's say that we have a list of three uh, complex numbers, square root of two plus t, i, and minus i, and this is the non-zero spectrum of a non-negative matrix for all t positive. This comes from Boyle-Handelman theorem. Uh, and the, the result of, uh, with Tom, we have shown that the exact number of zeros needed. So if t is equal to one over m, then n has to be greater than or equal to two m minus two. So as t is going to zero, the number of zeros needed goes to infinity. Even though, we are starting with only three non-zero elements here. So we have three non-zero elements, but 
as the smaller t, the more and more zeros, and the number of zeros will go to infinity. The same thing cannot happen in the symmetric case. Uh, that was shown by Johnson, Laffey, and Levy in 96. And th they gave the first proof that uh, RNIP and SNIP are different. By RNIP here, I mean the non-negative inverse eigenvalue problem for real lists. So the question was open up till then, whether we have a list of real numbers that can be realized by a, by a non-negative matrix, but cannot be realized by a symmetric non-negative matrix. Uh, they proved the following theorem, that if we have a symmetric non-negative matrix of rank R, then there exists a symmetric non-negative matrix of order R times R plus 1 over 2. So this shows uh, uh, such that A and A prime have the same non-zero spectrum. And this shows us that uh, in the symmetric case, we won't have that behavior when we have infinitely many zeros needed. When we have non-zero spectrum given, we know that there will be a bound of zero, a number of zeros needed that will still help with the realizability. Uh, okay, let me give you another example. Um, and this example has been around uh, a lot in the non-negative inverse eigenvalue problem. So let me just introduce, and, and I think Tom also had, uh, uh, was talking about it a little bit. So we have a list of five, uh, five numbers, 3 plus t, 3 minus t, minus 2, minus 2, minus 2. If t is equal to 0, the list is not realizable. If we had realizability in this case, then we would need, then the problem would be, if t is 0, then the problem is the repeated eigenvalue, and then we have to have reducible um, realization, which is not possible to still keep the traces positive. And in fact, Lafi and Meehan shown the exact t that is needed is 0.43. So the smallest t for which sigma of t is realizable. Uh, and what happens if we are allowing to add zeros to this list? Well, if um, t0 doesn't help, it's still not the non-zero spectrum of any non-negative matrix for exactly the same reason. Um, but if, as long as t is positive, sigma of t is the non-zero spectrum of some non-negative matrix. And okay, this is the result that was already pointed out by Tom, that we have an, an estimate of the number of zeros here by this equation. t is greater than or equal to 3 to the minus n over 4 times square root of 2. And so we were surprised that, that the, the way the number of zeros increased is quite slow in this case. Um, this is the realizing matrix that, in, that uh, we used to prove that result, and um, why, I'm having, why I'm showing it to you here is because it's composed with the companion, it's companion matrices on the diagonal, and here we have minus C and minus B and minus N and minus and so on. And the companion matrices were something we were, be able, we were able to use uh, very well in this case, and of course it won't help at all in the, when we're solving the symmetric non-exist eigenvalue problem. So we don't have anything like the companion matrix in that case. So, so what does, how does this example behave in the symmetric case? Um, uh, let's say that we have, uh, we have 3 plus t, 3 minus t minus 2 minus 2 minus 2, the same uh, list is symmetrically realizable if t is greater than or equal to 1. It's easy to show that if t is 1, it's realizable. And one way to show that it's not, we don't have realizability for t smaller than 1 is uh, by using this necessary condition that was found by McDonald and Neumann. 
and it applies to the list with five elements. So if lambda 1, lambda 2, lambda 3, lambda 4, and lambda 5 are ordered in this case, and uh, we are assuming that it's realizable by a symmetric non-negative matrix, then um, we need to have this inequality. Lambda 1 plus lambda 3 plus lambda 4 is greater than or equal to 0. Um, and if you apply this inequality to the list that we have, then we, you would get that T has to be greater than or equal to 1. And to my knowledge, this is the only um, necessary condition that we can write in the simple terms that distinguish the symmetric non-negative inverse eigenvalue problem to the real non-negative inverse eigenvalue problem. Okay, um, what happens if we add a zero to this list? When is the list three plus t, three minus t, zero, minus two, minus two, symmetrically realizable? Well, we were able to show the following. First, we took, we were able to construct a four by four matrix, which has eigenvalues t, 10 over three, eight over three, zero, minus two, and has diagonal elements two, two, zero, zero. What is important here is that it has two eigenvalues equal to two. And now we use the result that I showed you before, where we can join the list together using the eigenvalues. Uh, first, we join this list with a list 2 minus 2. So one in, by doing this, we use up one of the diagonal elements 2. So this Perron eigenvalue 2 is equal to the diagonal element 2, and we join them together, and we get the list 10 over 3, 8 over 3, 0, minus 2, minus 2, is realizable uh, by a matrix that still has one diagonal element equal to 2. And now we use that diagonal element to join this list with the list 2 and minus 2. And that gives us that 3 plus 1 third, 3 minus 1 third, 0, minus 2, minus 2, minus 2 is symmetrical list. Um, so I'm a bit fast. <laughs> uh, to finish my talk, I will finish my talk with an open question. So is this t is 1 third is the best possible? Can we find the realizing list uh, when t is less than or equal to one-third? And what about if we allow more zeros here? Can we do better in that case? So that's all. Thank you. What is it difficult? What is the idea that why lambda 1 plus lambda 3 plus lambda 3? I don't know. Just interlacing. Uh, they, um, I'm trying to remember now. They, they use the, I'm trying to remember now. They, they use the fact that, um, interlacing, yes, and that this, that, 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 that if we add a scalar, we get a positive definite matrix. And then every submatrix of that matrix is also positive definite. That's the basic idea, I think. The sign classroom of the eigenvectors. Yeah. Yeah. They use the sign classroom of the eigenvectors. Uh, and then the characterization right. of the using the. That was just a comment that you could say that from the first one there that the answer is supposed to be yes, according to the computer. Right. Yeah. <laughs>